Hello, friends. Last week, we introduced you to Ascent Nutrition's mold and mycotoxin-free organic coffee. Now it's time to check out their algae oil DHA. The benefits of algae oil DHA are incredible. It supports a healthy brain, memory, focus, clarity, and concentration, children's brain health, and a healthy development. It supports overall cardiovascular health, healthy DNA function, and a healthy inflammatory response. Algae oil DHA also facilitates quantum tunneling of electrons into the mitochondria for energy use. The list goes on and on. It also contains 250% more DHA than fish oil per unit. It's backed by at least 16 human clinical studies. Go check out all the benefits for yourself at GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire order. Welcome back to Beyond Classified. I'm Chris Matthew. Today my guest is Frank Jacob. He is an international award-winning filmmaker, presenter, visual artist, musician, and composer. Having teamed up with the U.S. motion picture production company Screen Addiction, his recent films explore the frontiers of consciousness-raising subjects. Frank, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back, Matthew. Yes, man. It's great to have you back. We have a topic today about a mysterious group called the Guardians of the Looking Glass. And this group claimed to be a breakaway faction from the actual controversial project Looking Glass, having resurfaced to help humanity avert upcoming disasters. And this group is apparently putting out this information online to supposedly help humanity. Now, we've seen these types of things before, especially recently, clandestine groups online that have critical information to save humanity and you know us being in the community we do see it very often but this particular information is also very intriguing and i believe that certain events that they spoke about have already come to pass so this is going to be very interesting before we get into that remind the audience uh, a bit about yourself and your work that you're doing well i'm a filmmaker and a lot of people know me from having uh made the films Packing for Mars, Solar Revolution, um, Klaus Donner Chronicles, together with my partner Tanya Maidenford. And that's been about, um, well, I guess we've been making those films and putting them out there since the, in the better part of the last 10 years. And um, yeah, what else? I've, uh, I'm a musician. I've done a lot of traveling, a lot of research. And uh, when I made the film Packing for Mars, I kind of fell, you know, head first into the whole disclosure scene, which I, you know, I hadn't really, I mean, I was interested in it, but I wasn't really, it wasn't something in my focus for most of my life until just, you know, when I started making that film. And since then, I guess I've gotten in touch or in contact with people, whistleblowers, people that are um, talking about amazing technology which shouldn't exist amazing amazing archaeology archae, if i could talk archaeological finds that uh, that shouldn't exist uh, and essentially leading me to you know a clear picture that we there's two worlds going on there's there's the world that 
you know people perceive out there the mainstream world the one you see most people perceive on their television or on the internet and then there's the the real world which is this you know which is kind of on the fringes of that other world you know so i've i've kind of straddled both of those for the last 10 years Right on, man. Yeah, I love the work that you're doing. And now for the audience that may not be familiar with Project Looking Glass and what went on with this group was attempt and what they were attempting to accomplish, could you uh, give us a little synopsis of that? Well, they appeared in March 2022, and they um, I personally stumbled on them completely by accident on a non-related research hunt and i saw this thing said looking glass and i knew about the looking glass from my association with bill ryan and project camelot and bill ryan and carrie cassidy his partner no longer but you know 10 11 12 years ago they were doing a lot of videos with whistleblowers talking about secret technology black ops projects and one of those happened to be looking project looking glass and they uh, had several interviews on their channel. One of them, a lot of them were with a guy called Dan Burrish. Then later, after they split up, Carrie did another interview with a guy called Bill Wood. And then nothing kind of, you heard nothing anymore until all of a sudden now, 2022, 10 years later. Except that the Bill Wood video has been circulating online and a lot of people that are that have heard of Project Looking Glass now probably are familiar with the, the Bill Wood version more than anything, because it's been circulated millions of times, and the burrish material, you, you can find it, but it's sort of like on, if, if you're not into the Project Camelot material, you probably won't, you know, just find it, you know, <laughs> you have to kind of look for it. And the uh, Looking Glass, the 2022 appearance of Looking Glass associated people is with a group calling themselves the Guardians of the Looking Glass. So I hit this link i landed on a youtube page there were a couple of videos up one of them was called event one april 18 another one was called the singularity both of those terms or at least the singularity was something i was very familiar with because i'm also i also research a lot of things related to um you know quantum computers artificial intelligence and things like that and singularity is a very you know has a very specific meaning meaning with respect to that topic but the event one was interesting and I clicked on it and it was describing they just went right into it they're like this this ex a group of military insiders who had been involved in the original project looking glass and had uh, a data set of what they had captured with the device the looking glass uh, and they were keeping it to themselves and they'd kind of split off from the main group mainly because what they had seen during the course of their uh, when the project was active, is they were just things that just shocked them to the to their core, uh, things that were very, you know, um, in a way, traumatizing and and very apocalyptic with respect to mankind and the future of the world. And they knew that they had to get that information out somehow. And they were in a group, um, you know, the, the, when you look into Project Looking Glass, you eventually come. Um, into contact with material that describes the people in that group uh, that was that was in control of the project and they're made up of majestic 12 members and those members are secret society members and project and mega uh, majestic 12 itself is like the super secret secret society you know on top of them all in a way you could say and they were made up of certain people that were you could 
I guess the best way to describe them is satanic. They worship Lucifer. They've, you know, sworn their allegiance to Lucifer. And uh, and then there were the people in the group that weren't in that, you know, they weren't into that. They were, you know, they were part of the group. They were actually quite happy to um, leak information out or help people in the world get access to this technology so that it helps mankind. So you had these two factions. And the Looking Glass Guardians t seemed to be part of that latter faction. And what they were talking about with the technology was... Uh, was very fascinating because it was covering topics or details about the project which I had never heard before. So that made it very interesting. Uh, and and it contradicted like radically some of the information that was last put out with respect specifically to Bill Wood. And that's where I decided, you know, I have to look at this closer because if it's such a contradiction, um, you know, it could have major consequences because on the one hand, the version in a nutshell, that Bill Wood was putting out with respect to Looking Glass was that his involvement in the project was to try and solve a problem that the elite had, that um, that the timelines that they were viewing, and we can get into more detail about how the thing actually works, but I'll just sort of summarize it a little bit here. The timelines would converge, and whenever they converged, uh, they ended up, you know, basically in favor of mankind. And the Looking Glass Guardians, they came out with a version that said, no, actually, it's the other way around. They noticed that no matter what they did when they intervened, it always worked out in their favor. Uh, so they weren't interested in having any, anybody interfere with the technology and anybody interfering with uh, you know what they'd captured and putting it out there because they were quite happy to let it go the route it was going to go. So obviously, those are two radically opposing positions. Yeah. And the details they were describing were so monumental that you know i i had to mull it over in my head for at least you know for, like for several days it really it, it's quite you know disturbing in a way um and then eventually i decided to publish an article i was waiting for the usual suspects to come out with the information about it and nobody was mentioning them and there was nothing about them anywhere they had this little channel and there was nothing going on so i published a story in german and i dropped also an english version onto project avalon uh, and the German site was picked up by um, somebody on the on John Nolan from Inspire Channel, and he knew the guy who ran that news portal in Germany, and he called him up and said, "Hey, this guy Frank Jacob, can you put me in touch? That looks interesting." So he put me in touch. A couple hours later, we organized an interview. That interview came out three days later, and it went viral immediately, and hundreds of thousands of people have seen it, and it set in motion a huge explosion of uh, of discussion with respect to the Looking Glass Guardians. Right on. And yes, you're right. We're, yeah, most of us in this community are familiar with that original story that no matter what happened in the timelines that they would converge and it would work out for the, the betterment of humanity and the elites would essentially lose what they were trying to do. But according to this new information, there's much different and uh, different possibilities as well. So I, I really want to get into that and what these major differences are. Yeah. I mean, the first major, well, the thing, let's just, uh, let's just break it down a bit uh, in terms of the essential message that the Looking Glass Guardians put out. Yes, they were saying that it wasn't going to go, uh, that the odds were, let me just say it this way, the, the Bill Wood version said it was 100% certain that it was going to be this awakening of consciousness, which was going to be the event, and that was going to happen on the 21st of December 2012, which we know came and went, nothing happened on that level at least. Um, 
and the Looking Glass Guardians were saying that the date uh, that there was actually going to be a convergence of the timelines, but that date was centering around 2030. And it had to do with, at that point, there was going to be an event, but it wasn't that the awakening of mankind wasn't the event. The event was a cosmic event. And the cosmic event was going to have an impact on human consciousness. So right there, when I heard that, having produced the film Solar Revolution, which talks about exactly that, we produced that film 10 years ago, and there's never been another follow-up film in that subject matter ever since. It still is the definitive film that goes into the science of what that means when mankind is actually, um, you know, um, yeah, not confronted by, but is is um, hit by whatever you want to call it, the wave, you know, these this, this energy coming from uh, the galaxy and how that would actually affect consciousness, why it affects consciousness, what uh, particular um, biological um, organs that we have that respond to those things that would actually induce those, you know, higher awareness experiences. We covered that in that film. So the Looking Glass Guardians version right off the bat for me seemed highly highly credible because they were obviously talking about something which I knew about. I had done a lot of research on and we'd made a film about it. The other thing they were saying is that um, essentially that there was going to be two, there, there's like a, a timeline that we're on right now, which is the timeline that's controlled by those who control the Looking Glass project, the materials. And that timeline has a very, very high probability of coming to be. However, they also saw in the data that they had that there were specific years in which a breakoff timeline took root that led to a different future, that led to a future where humanity did actually have the full benefit of this event that came. And if um, somebody you know, brought that material out, an official involved in the project, they would do it in the years 2012, or they would do it in the year 2016. And if they didn't do it then in 2016, there was a year and there was the final year 2022, which that happened. And since 2012 and 2016 had come and they hadn't seen any official announcement, they knew they had to do something and they decided to open source the data, which meant they decided to dump what they knew about the future, about the timelines and the coming events out there so that we could try to intervene, not by confronting the elite or the cabal directly, uh, because we wouldn't have any chance anyway doing that because we don't have the technology, we don't have the, you know, simply the, you know, we don't have the weapons or whatever, you know, the money, the organization to do it. But what we do have is we have the ability to communicate. And the best way to prevent it happening would be to spread the message as far as we could, talk to as many people and get this thing out there so that the false flag that was planned, which was the first event, event one, which I was describing earlier, would then uh, the odds of it happening or going through would diminish because the the people that were you know in charge of the false flag um, operation would see that there's way too many people with eyeballs on it and they can't go through with it and so that made a lot of sense to me too because it was like you know hey nothing like I mean you can't um, you know you, it, there's no point in trying to fight them with their on their turf but the idea of communicating about timelines and the idea of communicating the information that they brought out there um, was very, um, for me, inspirational because I thought, "Hey, man, that's that's." I mean, what what could be what what could be wrong with doing that in a sense? Because you know, what what harm could there be in uh, in talking about things that could happen? Um, however, you know, there are two timelines they they were talking about. The one of them is the the negative timeline, which is what you would call the transhumanist 
WEF Klaus Schwab gang timeline mm -hmm. leading to AI and enslavement of him, you know, like the, the total surveillance society. And the other one was this awakening of human consciousness, which has been, you know, predicted by indigenous people. It's been out there. It's been kind of like the, as J.J. Hertog calls it, the bow plan for humanity, that we would have this, not just, you know, we would not have this rise. And we've had these rises and falls in civilization um, many times before, but there is a kind of a leap in consciousness which is in front of us, which is a, a whole different level, like a quantum leap, where we actually, you know, activate dormant functions which would allow us things like telepathy, telekinesis, and, you know, maybe even the fact that we don't even need bodies or do we need to eat food or we never age and things like that, where we, we basically walk into another energy level, like you could say, another dimensional experience. Um, and, you know, seeing that that, you know, these two things were opposing each other, I felt the, the high road to take would be to talk about the timelines, what that means, and to reinforce the idea that humanity can actually manifest a timeline where they make that evolutionary jump, but they have to work for it. It isn't something which someone's going to come and do the work for. No one's going to do this work for us. And nobody's going to come and intervene. Like many people believe the ETs are going to come if something really bad happens, they're going to land and take over. But that's just not going to happen, okay? That's just unrealistic. If you think it all the way through, why would they? You know, if everything else is true about our existence, and the one thing that's the pillar of our existence is we have free will. And free will would never be satisfied by some higher civilization intervening with our planet and making things better again. So, and, you know, we also have <laughs> events in the past that have had, you know, horrendous events, uh, um, repercussions on civilization, atomic explosions in Hiroshima, Nagasaki, nuclear uh, testing in the environment. So the nukes are not the reason why an ET would, that's one of the main things people say, oh, they're not going to let a nuclear war happen. Why not? They let it happen before. So, you know, I took that, I took that approach to talk about it in timelines, talk about the mechanics behind this um, qu evolutionary quantum leap that we're going to have as humanity. And of course, talk about the dark stuff, but only in the sense that, look, it's obvious this stuff is going on. And these are the details, like make, make sure you see it, because a lot of people won't act unless they understand what it is that they're dealing with. And many people have their heads, you know, kind of buried. They don't see what's going on. Only those people who are kind of awake see what's going on. But it was very important to actually embrace the dark side of material just to kind of put it as such what it is. Describe what it is. You know, make sure we're clear on who the enemy is and where not to go because we don't want to repeat that pattern again. We want to see it and then dump it and then start visualizing this other timeline. Yeah. So that's 100%. kind of the direction it went. That, yeah, that's that's fascinating. You mentioned that they are planning a false flag event to kind of perpetuate this timeline. You know, we all know that they use these staged events to uh, kind of achieve a certain outcome and push uh, the the collective consciousness through fear in certain directions. So, what, according to this, what is this going to be? This new event that they're planning? Well. Uh, there were there was an event planned on April 18th, and that was going to be a bomb that was set off in Times Square at a very busy time, killing thousands, leading to a blame game, leading to Russia, Putin, uh, and then there was going to be an escalation. That escalation was going to lead to nuclear engagement. There was going to be um, 
you know, all kinds of stages of that. And in, you know, in the course of these exchanges, there was even going to be like an anthrax event in, in, uh, in America killing hundreds of thousands because the planners of the false flag operation uh, in the timeline that the Looking Glass Guardians saw weren't able to convince people that Putin really was the guy who set off the bomb as a result of the actions, the response of Putin when the, when the volleys began happening, the blame game. And it became clear that, hey, wait a minute, this guy is telling the truth and some people could verify it. So then they, they did a false flag anthrax attack. And after and they used a particular strain 157, which was developed um, knowingly. Everyone knows that this particular strain of anthrax, extremely deadly, was developed in Russian labs. So they were using that then to, okay, it's clear now it was Russia. And that led to the all-out escalation, which led to really a dark future and to the point where... You know, uh, essentially, they people they locked people down. A lot of people died. Uh, they they moved people into zones. Uh, they began to essentially herd people together, vaccinate people multiple times, screwing up their immune system. And then when this event came in 2030, instead of it being a positive event, it was gonna, you know, shut people off either physically or turn them into kind of mind control slaves. Um, and the if this was averted, then there was going to be another event um, on May 20th, which had to do with a quantum computer scientist from China called Winston Wu. And this guy was developing um, kind of, um, he was developing a new cryptocurrency. He was going to crack into uh, the crypto market and start basically liquidating cryptocurrency to the people that he was trying to get together to help us beat this negative timeline. Uh, and he was also able to crack into the CERN system and cause major havoc and shut that system down. So they were going to kill him on May 20th. So when April 18th was approaching, a week before on the 11th, there was a, if you recall, a bombing event in New York City. There was some shooting in a subway, some some smoke bombs went off, and it was a really weird event that took place. It was very strange. And uh, so essentially, some people feel, and we've had sort of confirmation from our own research and connection with remote viewers, that this event was averted and that the uh, April 11th and 12th chaos that took place in New York was uh, was an alternative attempt using CERN and you know changing the timelines to activate the event, but it didn't go the way they expected. So we threw them off their plan right there. And they were very, very pissed, very pissed. And then May 20th came and the uh, Looking Glass Guardians had approached Dr. Wu with the fact that there's a hit on his life. And so they took steps to try and avert that. And on 20th of May came, he was still alive. This went on for about another week, 10 days. And then there was a, a major you know, break in into his compound where he was. They finally tracked him down. Um, you know, the word is that Schwab and the World Economic Forum people personally were behind it. Military came, surrounded his camp, took him out and apprehended him. We don't even know if he's alive at this time. So that ended that whole chapter. That basically sent everything kind of into a spiral. And then uh, we, the Looking Glass Guardians kept putting out videos and messages and they got kind of strange for a while. And people would thought then, you know, people were on their their case thinking they're a psyop, you know, it was a crypto scan. There's all this stuff came out and we found out that essentially, so the story goes, the uh, people that were involved in the crypto 
plan were actually infiltrated. They were infiltrators, a lot of them, and they came, and that's how they found out about it. And they got in and, and, and undermined it. And so they began to um, use CERN to change the probabilities of their timeline again to the direction that they wanted to go. They began upping their activities. And as we know, right around that time, in the middle of April, they reactivated CERN now for the third time and, and elevated its capacity more than double. So all of this falls in line with what has been happening out there in the world. We have a Ukraine conflict. We have this, uh, this blame game between Putin, Zelensky, and the United States. And they're trying to, you know, f pull this faction of aggressor states together to, you know, build up NATO and go against Putin. So all these things are all real. <laughs> they're all like playing. They're all happening in the real world playing field. So none of this is far-fetched. So whatever people would think or think about the Looking Glass Guardians, the information they put out there has stimulated a worldwide conversation. Um, I guess I'm to blame for a lot of it, you know, for good <laughs> or for bad. Um, but, you know, I think we've done a really good job staying clear of um, we're not fanboys. You know, we're just analyzing and we're reporting on the situation and we're breaking down the messages from many, many different levels when they come out. Now, you know, we're saying like, you know, what are what are the events? There's one final it seems message that was dropped two days ago and that had to do with them having been i mean after everything you know their youtube channel was corrupted the messages got kind of weird many people think that the the original looking glass guardians were co-opted they reappeared one more time with a message asking for people to write personally and send them direct message uh, emails so that they could directly give them the next uh drop info drop and when they were about to do that there they switched over to proton because it was a more secure mail system uh, and they had their accounts essentially wiped right in front of their faces as they were about to drop the message then they went out there with what they had which was information about a guy a whistleblower called calling himself gideon deliberately biblical name because of the biblical proportions of his disclosure and this guy Gideon is talking about having been approached by white hat hackers working in Europe right now on a system that is essentially a social credit banking merging system that they are going to implement they were going to implement in 2025 and now they're upping the schedule they're going to release it anywhere between six months to a year down the road and this system is extremely diabolical uh, and so they they did a data dump of this and they put it out there and, and that's the newest thing that we've been talking about now, what right. that means and what it's all about. Man, there's so many directions I want to go from here. Let's start with this. Um, we have been misled by groups like these before, like I was saying in the intro. We had the whole QAnon thing, which I do believe QAnon had factual information. I think there was a mix of BS and, and real stuff in there. But still, yeah. again, I wasn't a Q follower or anything. Now, is this possible this could be the same thing, some kind of psychological operation uh, like you were saying? Of course, everything's possible, Matthew. You have to always consider that. And, you know, I think we went in with it in the very beginning with the perspective that, yes, this could be a PSYOP, but what if it isn't? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, we, and, and we didn't make whether or not they're a PSYOP the main topic of our discussion. Our discussion centers around the uh, impending domination of an artificial intelligence-dominated planet, a timeline that is focused on transhumanism of uh, eliminating you know essentially 
you know, quite honestly, quite frankly, what we are looking at around us as human beings right now could very likely be the last generation of biological untampered with human beings. We've al they've already started with vaccines that are mRNA-based, which are gene therapy. They're a technology that uh, goes in and actually alters the genetic code of the human body. Right, so they've already begun on a certain level with forming with a trans with their transhumanism. Now, not everybody has has taken you know this this vaccination on the planet, so there's still you know organic human beings around. But the fact is, if we aren't talking about this, then you know, and we don't uh, aren't aware that we have a choice in the matter, what'll happen is that that choice will be taken away from us. And this is the way timelines work. It has to do with convergence. It has to do with consensus. And, you know, the timeline that we're all on, you could call it a consensus timeline. Now, granted, if you look at quantum physics, everyone has their own timeline. Everyone's in their own bubble of reality based on their information, their filter. Their decisions are made based on what they think they know about reality. And it's different from every other human being. But there are certain things that we agree upon, like a basic building block of the playing field. You know, we go into the Monopoly game. We know we have a, we have two dice. We have one player. We have those spots that we land. Those are the kind of the consensus things that we agree on. And, uh, you know, the, but at some point, the majority of decisions that re you resonate with this, with this consensus timeline, according to how much, you know, um, belief you put into it how much credibility you give it and the more you give it the more you resonate with it the more powerful it gets to the point where all other options all other possible timeline factions that could break off begin to dry up and wither just like a plant like a garden where one plant gets put that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually it crowds all the other plants out of the way so this is how you could look at the timeline the convergence and there will be a time when there really is only one major timeline that we're on. And the choice between whether that timeline will be transhumanist or whether that timeline will be this awaited and anticipated and, and uh, prophesied quantum evolutionary leap of consciousness is 100% up to us. So we need to be talking about this and not like 2029. We need to be talking about it 10 years ago, but we didn't. And the Guardians of the Looking Glass, whether they intended it or not, have kicked into the world this discussion uh, where right now millions of people that were not talking about it less than three months ago are now talking about these things like timelines and convergence and, you know, uh, that there could be, uh, you know, negative impact of the transhumanist timeline. And I think that's the only way we can really make a change if we still have a hope to turn things around. Now, going back to the some of the original technology of looking glass, uh, could you describe exactly what they were using to to see these events? Yeah, what they have is um, they have these devices, and there are you know there's arguably several versions of these devices out there. And, uh, you know, but the one that the Looking Glass Guardians were working with and talking about was one that was uh, discovered in a series of sealed cylinders that came originally from, uh, from Sumeria, which had landed in the Middle East, had been discovered. Saddam Hussein, even Gaddafi, apparently were building and working with it. And these are devices that you build. They're, they were building plans to create this, this uh, looking glass and the looking glass would then be placed in proximity of a kind of a vortal, a vortex, like a, a stargate they're called. 
and there are natural stargates all throughout all around our planet and there are stargates outside in the space and there are stargates on you know below us it's a natural phenomenon these are you know these are these these are these uh, vortex places on the planet that you often hear these mysterious reports about where people stumble into uh, an area where they lose time or they teleport to another location these things are real they happen they're all around the planet and you know, the, I've, um, I've actually look, seen a video a, a real video of this from some independent researchers but that's a whole nother topic but yeah yeah right I it's, get a, it. it's an amazing topic believe me all on its own um but, and the looking glass devices would be placed in proximity of these and they would begin to reproduce uh 3d imagery of Events and the people that were observing those events would notice that the events took place from the moment that they were like from their time, say it was 1985, for example, they would see familiar events, but they would realize those events had not yet happened. And they realized and they began watching them. And the way the uh, looking glass guardians described the technology, which I felt was the most detailed. Even you know Dan Burrish doesn't talk about it in that much detail. They were talking about a, uh, a series of of like loops. They would see this um, ev- these like uh, t- events, and then after seven days, it would start again at the same place, but with a different perspective. And then it would do that for seven days, and then it would do that again 144 times for a total of 2.76 years, and then it would start all over again. And once the people that were analyzing the, the and observing realized this, they began placing cameras and using computers to keyword and document what they were seeing. Because then they could see, okay, we know that, you know, and this year that such and such happens. So, and they're in the past from that event right now. So that they could actually do something now to change that event. And then they could use their computerized you know, keyworded database, and they could then go to that um, to that place, and they could watch if anything had changed. And that way, they were start. That, that's how they started to manipulate the timelines to, to see if if they could make things work in their favor. But they realized that whatever they did, it always ended up working the way they wanted it to, because in a way, it, time had a self-correcting uh, mechanism that you know the interferer would set the motion and things in the motion that would then end up being self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, however, um, all of this is based on the consensus timeline and the, and the consensus timeline was a timeline that was being shown. And they also, of course, saw these, uh, these break off timelines. They weren't as strong as dominant, but they were there and they worried them, but, uh, they did. And this is what the looking glass gardens were saying. They were disappointed because the people in the project did nothing to, you know, to put that out. In fact, they, they did everything they could to try and ignore those things or pretend that they weren't going to happen or didn't happen. And that's when they realized that they had to intervene and do something because these people were not going to change the timelines. And so we're, we're doing it now. We're basically, they put that out. Whether it's real or not, it, it's almost irrelevant at this point, Matthew, because the fact is we are on a transhumanist timeline. And if you listen to you know, Schwab's gang and Yuval Harari's talks about the digital uh, society that we're moving into, they're full steam ahead. They're, they're full court press right now at the top of their game. And they're, they're moments away from realizing, in fact, they've already activated artificial intelligence and have used it to manipulate society as we know it. So yeah. they're well underway. And, you know, if we don't try to, if we don't do anything to even talk about it, we're doomed to fall that into that consensus. Are you ready to live a more free, healthy, and abundant life? 
transform your yard into a food forest and create a system for self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. And you can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. And learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. They can help you get off-grid and learn what systems to employ for food, water, and energy self-reliance. And live abundantly and in full connection with your property and what you produce. Click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest and have your own sustainable source of livelihood and become self-sufficient with food forest abundance. Just click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest today. Yeah, I did a whole show yesterday about the the powers and dangers of artificial intelligence. But earlier you mentioned CERN, and there's a lot of different types of uh, theories and ideas about what's really happening at CERN and why they're firing it up and what is occurring and is it possible that it's altering our reality or changing our timelines. And I want to get your thoughts into what they are doing at CERN and how it relates to what we're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, it's very easy. Uh, there essentially there there's two things going on. It's kind of like the Apollo program. <laughs> on the one hand, you have the space program called Apollo, which is the popular you know uh, the the PR campaign where you know they have this whole facade and people think yeah that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to the moon, blah blah blah. Um, and whether or not they get to the moon is almost irrelevant because I all eyeballs are on Apollo. Meanwhile, we know that they were running parallel secret space programs the whole time that nobody was thinking or uh, spending any concentrated effort thinking about. So um, what's going on is CERN could be compared in a very similar way. The public PR program is that they've got these colliders and they're going to tra- basically collide particles at high velocities, almost the speed of light. And that, that's going to generate you know, these subatomic particles that ter- they're trying to see what could be the origin of the Big Bang of the universe, like how did the universe get created, right? And then they uh, come out and, you know, write all these fancy papers and say, yeah, we found, you know, these these particles and now we know. And they've spent, you know, billions and billions of, of dollars building this thing. But what kind of practical use is it? Nobody has been able to really explain that. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time at CERN, when they began to collide particles together in 2008, they realized that they um, were uh, had accidentally, or you could say possibly accidentally, or maybe not accidentally, they had realized that in their experiments that they were um, having time loop um, anomalies, that they were actually altering time. And there are several articles that were published by the scientists who were involved at CERN in 2008 and 2010 uh, that were talking about how they were using CERN as a time machine, even talking about, you know, public articles in science magazines saying CERN is a time machine. You know, it's the world's first time machine. And they realized that by um, using uh, electron, uh, terra electron volt charges of a certain amount, that they were able to generate magnetics, magnetic, uh, magnetic fields that would open up these black holes, literally black holes. Uh, so what they are doing, I mean, I have a quote. I can probably put it up on the screen here. This is a guy called Bertolucci, Sergio Bertolucci. He's the director of research 
And he made it very obvious, clear when he said that the Large Hadron Collider is basically a door doorway to another dimension where things could come in or things could go through it, right? And uh, so, I mean, they knew this is what they were doing. This is the real kind of program. And then, you know, uh, Professor Fazal, he's another guy. He's one of the lead uh, uh, project leader leaders over there, heads. And he's talking about what energy levels are needed to create these black holes that they have. Um, and as you see here, he's talking about 9.5 tera electron volts to, to break through six dimensions and 11.9 tera electron volts to get to the to 10 dimensions. Now, electron volts, tera electron volts are trillion. It's 11.9 trillion electron volts. OK, you got to kind of get your brain around those numbers. What they're doing at CERN right now is they're generating 14 to 16 tera electron volts. We already believe they're they're going through to the 11th dimension. And uh, so what they're doing is they're, um, I mean, and the thing is huge. Like here, look at how huge it's. It's 27 kilometers uh, circumference. And, you know, Americans don't know that what that is, but I'll just show you. I'll give you a diagram. This is the top. This is the, the size of the collider. This is 27 kilometers. That's about 16 miles in circumference. These are townships within the circle. And this crosses two borders and it goes down 100 meters, which is about 350 feet under the surface. So uh, they are um, generating electric fields that have never been generated on our planet, at least not in recent history. So they are opening these portals and they are, yeah, they're, they're bringing stuff in, Matthew. <laughs> it's, Man. Now, you know, and uh, it's, you have to ask you know, yourself, do you trust the integrity of the people behind projects that have this as their main logo in front of the door. It's Shiva, the yeah. god of destruction, right? And, uh, you know, they had a guy that filmed this, uh, this um, um, you know, whether it was a mock murder, it was a mm. satanic ritual, or it was a real murder, uh, they've never disclosed it to us. But the guy here who filmed it, he was found dead just a couple of short months afterward, after breaking the story. So what they're doing in front of the facility are satanic rituals. And the, even the opening ceremony of CERN was there, you know, the tunnel that was in the, that brought people to the vicinity. There was a huge ceremony that was all about Baal and, you know, the underworld and all these dark symbologies. Um, and, you know, so you have to ask yourself, like, are these just coincidences? Yeah. Look at the look at the name of the projects. Right. These are the different acronyms, you know, Satan, Solar Axion Telescopic Antenna, you know, Delphi, <laughs> which is the sanctuary of Apollo, who's also means destruction in the Greek language, you know, uh, Hades, high acceptance dielectron spectrometer. You know, the name of the underworld, you know, the god of the underworld. Alice, another name for Lucifer, right? Interesting coincidences, as I call them, right? Interesting how they're only satanic or or like, you know, I mean, some people say, yeah, I mean, the name CERN itself is based on, uh, what is it? It's uh, CERN, uh, Kernunos is the proper pronunciation. And he's the god of the underworld, or some people say the god of nature, yeah? So the, the power of nature, and that's what they believe that they're emulating on their experiments. They want to actually become, you know, because like Luciferian doctrine talks about Lucifer being the god of the earth, right? The, 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 in, like the person in control or in charge of this planet. Um, and there's this battle going on. So this, this is the kind of mythology that surrounds their experimentation. So, you know... Are we going to trust that or are we going to question it? That is the question. But 
considering that they're talking about bringing things in from other dimensions it's pretty pretty crazy stuff and the last um uh, message that came through from the looking glass guardians two days ago was talking specifically about the fact that they had used cern to bring entities through which are going to wreak havoc on our telecommunications and internet uh, system from this moment forward in the form of what appears to be bots or entities that are out there attacking any people who are coming up with any kind of theories about you know the the negative timeline or that there might be satanic people behind it so it all again it all fits in place whether you believe it or not these things are happening um, and it gives us a framework from which we can base a discussion yes man that's incredible uh and it it makes too much creepy sense that this is one of the agendas that they're trying to do and you mentioned that they they could possibly have these entities that have already infiltrated our technology and uh act as ai and we think that they're bots but they're actually uh, persuading humanity in certain ways and i yeah. can see this i can see this with the bots we've had for years yeah <laughs> I mean, he, you know, I, I think AI may have already been out there for a while, Matthew. Yeah. I think it's like this whole idea of AI is coming. I think it's a distraction. I think AI is already, I think AI was used for the whole COVID thing to orchestrate over 193 different countries. I mean, you don't just do that with, bureauc with bureaucracy. <laughs> Bureaucrats are notoriously slow and clumsy and, you know, it takes forever. But they had that whole agenda worked out in a couple of weeks globally, right? That only can happen if you have something like AI at your side. So I'm pretty much certain that they were using AI for that and they've already set AI into the wild. They just haven't talked about it yet. And you know, they'll talk about it at the point when it's already too late. So, you know, we and we can't do much about it. You know, so in a way the train I always say the trains left the train station, Matthew. We it's still running slow. We could still catch it, but we got to wake up. We got to get into high gear here. We got to do something. Yeah, we've already seen the effects that AI algorithms have had on our community as far as censorship, like you mentioned, and the on a mass scale, the direction they're trying to push people through social media. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about the – if you look at someone's uh, timeline on Facebook and they're maybe far left, extreme left, you know, they're – timeline's probably going to scare the crap out of you and you're going to be like what planet are you living on because they're so different and such different indoctrination methods that they're actually uh caught up in and brainwashed through that yes. it's a different reality a different timeline and i think each individual person out here has different timelines as well right exactly that's what i was saying it's it's like it, what determines the consensus timeline is the amount of resonance you give it because your body is a frequency and we all are resonating at a particular frequency. And, you know, uh, the collective um, body of all of our brains on this planet together form a particular resonant frequency, which is harmonized with the planet, the Schumann resonances, for example. That's another, re that's another way that CERN is actually having a lot of detrimental effect on us, which you can verify. Because they are, whenever they do one of these fire-ups of their system to run an experiment, that one of the side effects you may say is that they actually strike the uh, the Schumann resonances with such force that it overloads the measuring instruments that are regulating or measuring the Schumann resonances on a day-to-day -day basis. So you've started probably seeing a lot of these blue diagrams of the Schumann frequencies online on Facebook that are all white and people are saying wow look at the Schumann frequencies are going up they're raising we're going into the fifth dimension and stuff like that. 
but those are just people who are clueless in terms of what the actual function of the uh, of those dev devices are and what those readings in fact really are showing us yeah and those readings are not showing us that the schumann frequencies have suddenly raised up to 40 or or uh you know I mean, I've heard people say it's even, you know, like Alex Collier, thousands of hertz. I mean, like ridiculous, right? I mean, clueless, right? No, yeah. the Schumann re resonances cannot suddenly go from an eight hertz dominant frequency to thousands of hertz frequency. That's just physical impossibility and it never would happen because the Schumann resonances are built on a combination of the size of the earth, the speed of light and the, you know, and, and uh, lightning activity on the planet. It's a formula that you can work out down you know to basically uh, eight hertz is what it works out to as the harm as, as the primary frequency so if it's going to go up to a thousand or more hertz that would mean the planet would have to have shrunk so that the frequency goes really high you know because it's tiny mm. or gotten bigger and it's gotten lower right it just doesn't work that it, that hasn't changed so what's happening is you're still seeing the same frequencies there but they're just so uh, overloaded that the instruments just show white because they can't re register any longer but they're all still there. Those frequencies are just driven. Like if you turn the guitar amp, you know, all the way up and then you put on the preamp to get the fuzz sound, right? You're just getting distortion. And this is what you're seeing on those diagrams. So whenever they turn up a CERN and they kick those uh, Schumann frequencies and they spike, they're having direct impact on our brains. And, you know, our brains are functioning in harmony with that 8 hertz frequency because that's the frequency of the Schumann resonances. So when you sleep at night and when you go to rest or when you come down or you need to, you know, you need to get settled or get your grounding again, that is the frequency you do it at. And by attacking that frequency and pounding that frequency like with a sledgehammer, it just causes all kinds of unrest. People are reporting all over the world already that they're having headaches, they can't sleep, they're getting anxiety. This is another side effect of it. It makes you feel anxious, makes you feel stressed out. So, you know, this is all side effects, if you will, or maybe deliberate, doesn't matter, is happening. Uh, so these are another effect that CERN is having. So they, they're doing the portal and they're doing the Schumann resonances and they're affecting us. Uh, you know, they're, they're making it very hospitable for maybe artificial intelligence and very little less hospitable for human biological existence on this planet at the moment. Yeah, and... It you mentioned how they fired up CERN again recently, and it seemed that there have been some strange uh, global occurrences even on the day that they did that and since then that there's speculation throughout the community of what could have possibly been going on. Like the main major thing is the Georgia Guidestones being blown up. <laughs> that was interesting. I want to get your take on that. Well... You know, I personally, I looked at that footage when that um, happened, and I believe, my take is that it was a highly sophisticated directed energy weapon that took that out, and I believe that it was the elites that took it out themselves. I do not believe it was some kind of resistance movement, because, you know, that was interesting how, you know, truth by omission, right? You have a car driving up and a car leaving, but you've got no one placing a bomb on camera. Uh, you know, and the whole looking at the footage, it was all white. It wasn't black or didn't have the usual signs of an explosion of fire and heat. So um, I don't believe it. I think that, you know, the people that were building those things, they had them up for a while as a monument, as, as in a way of kind of like marking their territory, you could say. And, you know, with their agenda, which had, you know, and you, if you look at the tablets and what's written on them, for the most part, it's all very uh, reasonable. 
Yeah, except for those two lines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 500 million people and leave room for nature, leave room for nature, right? Which essentially, you know, those are also the same things which you see written up in Agenda 21. So it's, you know, since nobody knows who actually built the Guidestones, and there's lots of mythology about who it may have been, all you can work uh, go by is like what was on them, what did it mean? And the fact that so many people, in the, since Q, I guess you could say, since people began using the the intel drops that q was putting out there to begin researching um alternative views of of reality you could say they came across the of course the 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 georgia guidestones and so suddenly the georgia guidestones may have been getting more attention um than they wanted or you know i or like since they are working with looking glass technology let's face it they probably already saw that was going to happen too but they still put them out there. They had their life, their their um, you know their life expectancy, and then you know they've been getting vandalized, and people have been talking about it. So and then CERN happened, and now people are you know I'm out there talking about CERN as this possible demonic portal amongst hundreds of thousands of people. You know these things that they don't really want that much attention. So a, a very clever way, if I was them, I would take them out too, because what did they need them for? They've served their purpose. And then within hours, they were there with a truck and a, and a bulldozer and, a you know, knocked the rest of it down. It was like, it was clear. They had the cleanup organization already in place. They came in, they blew it up, they cleaned it up, and it's over. And I bet you in a few years, they'll have it taken off of Wikipedia, and it'll just be a conspiracy theory that there was this thing called Georgia Guidestones <laughs> in the past, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah so, man. but I, I don't believe it was a patriot movement because... Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of like when you realize what we're up against, Matthew. That's kind of like kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. You know, now what we're up against is what what Gideon brought out about what we're up against with this CSRQSM software system. That's like the absolute most diabolical thing, and that just shows you how powerful these people are and where they want to go. Well, let's talk a bit about this transhuman agenda. It seems that in their deepest darkest desires they want this kind of alchemical transformation of humanity to be merged with machines but there's also another level of it where they believe that these entities kind of exist out there amongst the ether and can be kind of uh utilized or communicated with through this technology and i think that's what a lot of the silicon valley like tech gurus are doing right now and that's what's going on with cern like you said and uh, there's going to be this push, of course, to get us into the metaverse. Uh, I know they're doing uh, experiments with psychedelics in, in Silicon Valley, uh, with merging it with technology. So there is some pretty terrifying things coming up. Uh, how far do you think they want this transhuman agenda to go? Well, uh, I mean, they've pretty much described it to us very clearly. They want us to be living in small space cubicle type apartments in in, a, in an urban area condensed into a very small space leaving as much room for nature as possible um they uh, are having to you know come up with solutions for the obvious massive unemployment that's going to happen worldwide pretty much every occupation that we can do as humans was described by Jordy Rhodes uh, uh, back in 2012 and 2010 with his D-Wave quantum computer presentations at the universities around the world as being done better by artificial intelligence than any human. In fact, many times better than any human could. So they're, they're going to have to deal with the fact that there's no 
there's no uh, purpose. And y- Yuval Harari, the you know the the guru of Klaus Schwab, the data guru, the artificial intelligence guru, has been giving a lot of talks about how you know they're call- what to do with the useless class, as they're calling it. Yeah, I mean. He doesn't go as far as calling the useless eaters. We've heard that one before. I think that comes from the protocols of the wise men of Zion. But um, the useless uh, class is just as bad, uh, if you ask me. And and it's a reality because if they essentially want it, what they want to do, and they've already started with this, is they want to transplant the human brain from its analog human carrier, the brain, the head, the skull, uh, they want to transla- uh, download that data and either by slicing the brain into nano-sized slices, millions of slices, and then uh, reading those slices into a digital printer and then reproducing them into a digital carrier and then shoving that hard drive into some sexy-looking robot that's going to be you in an artificial carrier that will have eternal life. And we know Ray Kurzweil is you know, chomping at the bit you know, uh, at, at eternal life and uh, all these guys, you know, at uh, Google that are heading up this uh, technology, they think that this is the the last uh, generation of organic uh, humans which die because death for them is a major limitation, and they want to. They don't want to die. They want to live forever, and they want to become immortal gods. And Yuval Harari even talks about them as being, you know, um, gods were born. Uh, when humans invented them and will end when humans become them. That's sort of a paraphrasing of his, one of his big slogans. And so that's where they really, that they're headed for us becoming gods. But of course, not everybody is going to be able to afford, come on, guy. <laughs> not everybody's going to be able to afford um, this process, right? So it's, again, it's going to be the elites who are going to have their ticket to uh, you know, immortality. And the rest of us are going to be shoved into these small spaces uh, they they won't we won't have um, you know we won't be working our job limitations will force us to have to take some kind of a universal income uh, like they they're already talking about that universal you know equal income for everybody and they've got it down you know to a model where they can they can basically convert the the monetary system over to a digital currency and then deposit digital currencies in your account every month. So you'll have your universal basic income and you'll just go, okay, that'll pay my rent. I'll be able to buy my food and go to the fitness club or something, right? And that's about it. And you'll still have to go and work because if you don't get work, you don't go to work, you'll lose social credits. And the social credits will mean you'll be deducted from your monthly stipend. You'll you'll start to be short money and then you'll realize if you don't, uh, you know, kowtow to the party line, you're going to starve or you're going to die. So... It's going to be an incentive for human beings to comply with the system, and this is what Gideon was talking about with this uh, new system that they've are hacked, that their hackers are actually exposing, and and they've even you know they've got it into classes, right? So now they've got us boxed into the city. The the countrysides are barren. Nobody can afford to go out and live there anymore, and uh, only the rich people are out there. And they and they're converting us all to this digital currency, and they're going to give us a universal basic income, and they're going to give us a digital biometric ID, and they're going to force us, you know, to do what they deem is important for the survival of society. What did you hear people say during the whole COVID crisis? There were people that were angry at, at those who were not taking the vaccination and actually calling them a threat to humanity. Right. And this has actually happened. Right. People are actually honestly in all right, you know, in their right mind saying that we are the people that are not vaccinated are a threat to humanity. 
right? So, I mean, it's it, so it's it's not even you know some great you know, fictitious invention to think that their new universal basic income digital ID biometric system is going to include mandatory vaccines, or you are a threat to society. Now, what uh, Gideon dropped though is interesting. He figured he found they found out that there's four classes of people that it isn't equal for everybody. You know, like that the, the way they were going to try and sell it was that everyone is getting less money, but they're all getting the same. Like communism, basically. You know, everyone has the same, so there's no class separation any longer. It's the ultimate, you know, wet dream of the, uh, of Marx. You know, I mean, it's the mm-hmm. communist dream manifested, right? So, but what they did find out is that, and I'm going to show you this because this is quite shocking. Um, the people in the S class, they call it S class for sovereign, the sovereigns, they've actually hijacked... The name for people that are fighting for freedom now, and they're calling those people who are going to be in the system who are free from all the limitations. They have no universal income. They can make as much as they want. In fact, they already are converting their money now into the digital currency, and they're making huge returns. They're billionaires or millionaires, right? Um, and there, there's another class called the C class. That's going to be the common man. That's 99% of us. Those people are going to have to do, you know, the mandatory vaxes. They're going to have to, um, you know, have a certain certain social credit score. They're going to have a certain carbon footprint, you know, permission. Um, and the um, interesting fact about the digital currency is it's programmable. And programmable digi- digital currency is one step nastier than just Bitcoin, where you can still, like we have our currency, you know, we can still, if, it, if even if it's digital or cash, it doesn't matter, you can still decide where you want to spend it. But with programmable digital currency, they will tell you, hey, Matthew, you've got three credits for a burger this month and the rest you have to eat bugs, right? (laughs) And then you've eaten your three quota and you go to try and buy another one. Sorry, alarm comes up and it says, no, you got to buy the bug version of the burger. And this isn't funny because they actually are bug farms popping up all over the place right now. Right. There's even uh, they even begin to socialize us to the idea that there's going to be bug farms by using celebrities, um, you know, in the open that are, you know, showing us that it's cool to eat bugs. I think I even have a picture somewhere. Yeah, here. I'll bet you recognize who this celebrity is. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's happening. They're conditioning us the idea. Okay, so the next class is going to be the what they call the R class. You know, those are the people who are the rogues. You know, those are the people that are putting putting up a resistance, that are bad-mouthing the new system, that are creating problems for them, bad PR, right? So those people are going to have stricter controls, less money, uh, more VAX requirements, right? And then the final class is called the Q class, interestingly. And those are the quarantine people. Those are the people that are in permanent lockdown, they have the most amounts of vaccinations that they have, the, the most amounts of restrictions. They can't travel anywhere. They are basically the, um, yeah, um, you know, the plague of society. And those four classes are, you know, what they want to use to set up this system. And uh, what's interesting is they began, their rogue white hat hackers began to quietly, when they realized that they had to blow the whistle on this, they began to quietly make screenshots of those who are already in the S class so we can start discussing it. And, um, you know, the usual people are in it, as you can imagine, the presidents, the politicians, the stars, all the people that are sort of the left-leaning, you know, ultra-liberal people, they're all S-class people. 
Um, but look at this. What you have here is you've got some people that you probably wouldn't expect are in the S class. So they dropped these uh, frame grabs for us. You might recognize some of these names. Like these are people in the alternative media that are already by the showing of the, you see at the top here, you see USDR balance, right? Tucker Carlson has over 500 million US digital dollars already deposited. So either he himself personally knows about it or his agent is doing it for him. But basically it's been set up for him already. Paul Joseph Watson, you know, he's already got millions in there. Dennis Prager, Benjamin Shapiro, Glenn Beck, right? All these guys are already, they're getting an exchange rate, according to Gideon, of 1 to 43 right now. So every dollar they put in, they're getting 43 USDRs out of it. So, I mean, these guys are the, you could say, the shills of our society. They're put out there for us to think that they're right-leaning, conservative uh, people that are, you know, oh, fighting for the the good fight for the little man, but really what they are is they're they're people on a leash. Now I want to for the audience that's listening on the podcast, uh, can you bring that b back up so we can so I can uh, list those names Absolutely. out for people. Now uh, for the audience that's listening, the, the some of the names on these this list is Gavin Newsom, Glenn Beck, Benjamin Shapiro. Paul Joseph Watson, Tucker Carlson, Dennis Mark Proger. I mean, you're right. It's the shills of our, our mainstream media. It's crazy. Wow, yeah, man. I mean, isn't it? And so, like, when I brought this out with John the other day on Inspired, it was like I knew this was going to set off. This is going to cause uh, some ripples. Because, I mean, imagine if you're Tucker Carlson right now and you've seen that there's a few hundred thousand people that are talking about you being a shill collecting a balance in usdrs right if right. it's true you got to be right now he's got to be getting hair standing up on the back of his neck like damn they're onto it yes, or man. you know if he isn't and he's this is just some ploy uh his assignment is actually to dig into this and start talking about it on his forum and to break the story actually his responsibility as a real journalist who's out there to help the little man to help people a conservative journalist right fighting the good fight, mm. he has no other choice like to do what we're doing. We're putting this out and we're talking about it. We're talking about the system because the system is coming. And the system's been described in their own websites. It's not even a mystery. This isn't even a conspiracy yeah. theory. This is all just, it's just the only thing that's different is the timetable and the fact that they've got these classifications. It's like right out of... Um, Hunger uh, Games or some shit. Hunger Games. Yeah. You know, it's right out of Hunger Games. And this is like... You know, I mean, you could just see that it, we've been talking about how, you know, Hollywood is used as predictive programming. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, I mean, this is now showing you the real-life version of the Hunger Games that are standing before us if we do nothing, if we do nothing to talk about. Now, imagine if 500 million people talk about this right now. Like, if you and I are talking about it, and all the people that are watching this cast spread this among their network, and they spread it among their network. And, I mean, so far, you know, we went online yesterday on uh, Inspired for the first time on this story, and there's already over 50,000 people in less than 11 hours that have watched it. So if this begins to mushroom exponentially, we could have literally several hundred million people talking about this and asking some serious questions. Because, uh, I mean, if this is enough information to go to your representative with, to go to your mayor with, to go to your senator, your governors with, and say, I've heard about this system. You know, it's a software called the CSRQSM, and I want to know if this is real, and I want to know what you're doing about it. And, you know, essentially, you're going to start to rattle some cages. I can guarantee you that. And that'll stop them. 
They will not be able to pull this through if too many people are talking about it like this, especially if we put up a resistance like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going C-class. You're S-class. Screw that. <laughs> right. Well, in the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about how there were uh, different factions within this elitist looking glass group, some that were kind of Luciferian, some that weren't. And uh, these apparently these um, benevolent members are presenting this information now, uh, you know, to supposedly help humanity. But on a large scale, do you think that there are still different factions out there? Kind of either one for the for the control over humanity, one to awaken humanity, or maybe both for control of humanity just in different ways. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I stopped thinking about factions like you're describing a, a while back. I don't look. I believe the universe. The, the evidence is showing us that the universe is one huge organism. Right. And that we are living body and that we are part of that living body. So for us to pretend that those bad guys are the negative people, they don't belong to us and those ones are... No, we're all in this together, man. And we have to recognize those people less as the enemy, as more those people that are put there in the whole game plan, the simulation, if you will, that we're in to motivate us, to give us that kick in the butt to do something. Because this next evolutionary leap that we are at the precipice of this quantum evolutionary human leap is such a huge, huge leap that we need major, major kick to get that started. That's like, that's a serious, like, you know, jump. So we need a lot of power to get us there. And that a lot of, we need a lot of convincing that it's real. We need a lot of, um, you know, momentum to push us to fly when we go off that cliff instead of just dropping down. Um, so I don't, you know, yeah, there could be out there, but so what? You know, I just look at them as part of me. Like, we all have dark thoughts and bad deeds we've done and dark chapters in our lives. Are we going to, you know, call ourselves sinners because of that? No, it's like trial and error, man. You go through life and you make some stupid mistakes. Sometimes, you know, there are people, yeah, that are evil, you know, but you can neutralize them. You know, and the, another question that often comes up now is like, how many humans are actually on the planet? Are every... Is everybody that you see out there, in fact, really a human being? Or are you certain of that? I mean, what if there's actually only, you know, like a friend of mine actually was a dowser. He passed away, unfortunately, a few, uh, like a couple of months back. He used to say that there are only 7% of humans on this planet. The rest are either clones or ETs, you know, whatever. It's like this could all just be... A huge simulation for our benefit to make this leap. So you can classify them any which way you want, but in the end, you're still going to have the same problems to overcome, and you're not going to overcome the dark side by taking the game to their to their battlefield. It, you know, when you like, just take the example since they're using all these shows to pre-program us. Like Vikings, you know, what did they do to win their battles? They didn't go to the king, to the castle and try to fight them there where they're strong. No, they lured them out to the countryside, trapped them in a weird valley and then ambushed them from a place they weren't expecting it. So we have to do the same similar thing on a spiritual warfare kind of way. We can't take them on in their way. And the only way we can overcome them is to solidify our own you know, unity together to realize that we're very, very powerful that we are, um, you know, that when Jesus said that, you know, the, the great things that he did, that we will be doing even greater things, we need to take that to heart. 
we need to start looking at uh, information like, you know, the King James definition of the Son, the Son of God, and the Greek translation, which is a Son of God. One very simple word makes a huge difference in the interpretation of who Jesus was. Okay, so we are all on par with, you know, uh, this level of expression. We have the divine expression within us. The potential is there, but we've been told we don't. We've been told it's some guy who's the son of God. It's some Messiah, whichever religion you believe in. It's not you, right? It's someone out there. And again, it's that same model of manipulation that religions use in a way to keep themselves in power and us paying their dues. You know, and we have to get past that. We have to get past these structures. We have to honor them for what they were, you know, and, and then move past them. And that means we have to redefine what our world and our reality and our true nature of humanity is. And part of that, of course, is looking at the dark stuff and seeing that and going, yep, I remember that. That's when we were these limited humans, when we thought that we were, you know, had to do it this way. But that, that was just an obsolete version of humans. Now, let's close on this. Based on that you, you, the research you've done on this, and you talk to a lot of people who talk to a lot of people who do a lot of content creation, who are in the film industry, and you get an idea of where people stand when it comes to all of this stuff. And you mentioned that there is an awakening going on, and I believe that right now is the most critical time in our modern history for us to choose what timeline we're going to be on. Uh, do you think that based on your conversations with people and uh, most of the people in your circle and people that they know that this that we're the majority that we have a chance to kind of split off into that correct timeline that we're supposed to go to i do believe we have a chance otherwise i wouldn't you know go to all the effort i mean i've almost been on shows now for the last two months non-stop talking about it uh, because i've realized that it's setting people it's 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 setting people on fire you know to they want to know more and that gives me sign of hope that makes me realize that there are a lot more people and for every person who's an active awakening person who's interested in reading and participating there's probably a thousand sleepers who know there's something not right who know that they aren't going to comply with the system they just don't know how to do, go about doing it so they need others out there to be the mouthpieces, to do the, the, the action people. But it, has to, it can be a small army. It doesn't have to be billions. It can be you know, millions. And uh, millions of people out there in the world on a regular basis forcing the discussion, forcing the dialogue, forcing the politicians who are making decisions behind closed doors to pay attention is going to change things. Absolutely. I do believe that. And I mean, I only want to believe that. And if it doesn't happen... What can I say? You know, um, you got to fight the good fight to the end, you know, and if it in, ends up you lose, you lose. At least you can look at yourself in the mirror when it's all done and say, well, you know, I was trying to make it happen. At least I wasn't, you know, just buying into to naked consumerism and worried about how, if my flat screen was the state of the art and that was better than my neighbors and I had the newest model of, of smartphone. And, my, you know, it's like these are all these superficial goals that we've had in society that we've been told are important, you know, to keep the economy growing and all these you know it's it's such a double speak right they tell you 
keep the economy growing and yet they've got you know they're saying agenda 21 shrink you know people down less you know less uh, pollution on the planet we got to start eating bugs and stuff like that these are all contradictory ideas you can't have one and have the other so we just have to um you know i think just accept that there's going to be a lot of resistance the battle is going to get probably pretty fierce um, you know, you're probably going to start seeing people, I wouldn't be surprised if I start getting major attacks on my character and who knows what they're going to dig up and try to dig up about what I am and who I am. But, you know, I'm proud of what I've done and who I am. I've got nothing to be ashamed of. So I'll face whatever I'm faced with and I'll talk about it openly because that's the only way, full disclosure is the only way you can get through this mess that we're in. So we just need to keep doing it. And I think we have a good chance, very good chance. Yeah, man, I love it. Uh, definitely keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. And this was a fantastic conversation. We're going to have to do this again soon. Uh, let the audience know where they can find your, your movies, website, uh, social media, all the good stuff. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I, I guess the easiest way to reach out to me is on my, my, my website, frankjacob.com. And on that website, you can find links at the top to all the films that, that I've, I've produced with, together with Tony Maidenford, Screen Addiction is another site. You could go to screenaddiction.com. Uh, then there's also, if you wanted to do the, the webinar I was talking about, it's called A Tale of Two Timelines. If you really want to do a deep dive into the material of The Looking Glass, that webinar I put together is about six hours of material. It covers everything, the whole history. It talks about the ETs. It talks about Majestic. It talks about how we got there. It's got forbidden history, cataclysm science, all this really cool stuff. It'll give you the complete breakdown. It'll save you tons of time, uh, and you'll you'll understand what, what we're up, what we're up against. Um, you know who's the who, what, when, where, and why. Uh, and I can only re recommend doing it. Uh, it's um, on cyberhive.tv or you can find links to it again at the top of my frankjacob.com website as well. There's links to the webinar and, and you'll, you'll find it or just type in Tale of Two Timelines. You'll probably get it on Google or maybe, maybe it's censored. I don't know. Probably better just to go to the website. <laughs> yeah, the censor and everything. Man, Frank, that was fantastic. And like I said, we'll definitely have to talk again soon in the future. Thanks for having me, Matthew. Yes, until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See y'all all then.